um, I think we need to really, uh, uh, like the COVID, um, maybe get used to this state uh, and, and and really hunker down for all the long run. Mm. There's a lot at stake, though, isn't there, for Jerome Powell, I think, because if he gets this wrong, uh, even with Janet Yellen's support, the chances are he's not going to be able to um, stay on at the Fed as chairman. Well, this, uh, any politician is that uh, you take the best of what you have. Um, and I really don't know whether uh, a change of the seat is really going to uh, uh, change a lot. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of uh, external forces, uh, structural impediments, uh, and really political uh, interference that uh, the central banks around the world never really had to contend with before. Mm. So I don't envy the whoever does come in. Uh, that he's necessarily going to make things that much better. Um, I think he's doing a fine job, to be honest. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, each uh, time uh, uh, a chair changes, um, the, the, the impediments and the uh, hurdles seem to get tougher. Peter, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Peter Kim, Managing Thank Director you. and Investment Strategist at KB Security. You You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in the markets over in South Korea, the Cosby is up about a third of a percent at the moment. In Japan, uh, the Nikkei 225 uh, right now, if I can find it, yeah, it's flat right now. And over in Australia, the SX200 down about half a percent. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 60 or 70 points lower in just under an hour's time. Commodities also slipping a little bit uh, this morning. Brent crude oil off about uh, 0.4 percent uh, trading at $71.99 a barrel and gold is at $1,791 an ounce. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk and stay tuned today for Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Jenny Lamb coming up right after the news. The weather forecast, mainly fine apart from isolated showers. Very hot during the day, maximum temperature of about 34 degrees. There is a very hot weather warning in force. The outlook... A few showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days. Right now it's 28 degrees, 87% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Susan Lavender has the half-hour news. National Security Police have written to the Alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements of China, which has for decades organised the June 4th candlelight vigil at Victoria Park, accusing it of being an agent for foreign groups. Aaron Tam reports. The Alliance's Vice Chair Chao Hang Tung says the letter from the National Security Police received by core members had requested it to hand over information related to its ties with foreign groups in accordance with Article 43 of the National Security Law. Ms. Chao has denied the allegation that the Alliance is an agent for foreign groups and accused the police of trying to discourage civil bodies from contacting overseas organizations as a way to eliminate civil society. Ms. Chow said the group will meet to discuss the next move. Experts at the World Health Organization are warning that the window of opportunity to study the origins of COVID-19 is closing. The authors of the original WHO report into how the virus emerged from China say further delays could make some of the necessary research biologically impossible. Their warning coincides with the WHO appearing to pull back from a planned second international mission to China. The BBC's Imogen Folks has more. 
The WHO is treading a fine diplomatic line between sceptics in the West, who believe China may be covering up the origins of COVID-19, and a government in Beijing who says the West's lack of trust is arrogant. The planned second international mission was rejected by China because the WHO wanted to audit Wuhan's labs. Today, the WHO said there need be no delay because Chinese scientists were already carrying out new studies New data would be arriving soon, they said. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the Taliban has made a commitment to allow U.S. citizens and at-risk Afghans to leave the country after the end-of-the-month evacuation deadline. There is no deadline on our work to help any remaining American citizens who decide they want to leave to do so, along with the many Afghans who have stood by us over these many years and want to leave and have been unable to do so. That effort will continue every day past August 31st. The Taliban have made public and private commitments to provide and permit safe passage past August 31st. Mr Blinken said the US was still on track to complete the evacuation operation by the end of the month. He said up to 1,500 US nationals could still be in Afghanistan and the administration was making exhaustive efforts to trace them. And I'll have more news at nine o'clock. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chilton and your co-host today is Jenny Lamb. Jenny, good morning morning to you. Today we're talking about film censorship and central market. Authorities will have the power to revoke approval already granted to movies for national security purposes under proposed legislation on film censorship. Film censors were ordered in June to ban movies deemed to be supporting or glorifying acts that could endanger national security. The extended ban would also empower the Chief Secretary to direct the Film Censorship Authority to revoke certificates of approval or exemption previously issued for films if showing them would be contrary to the interests of national security. The amendment bill will be tabled at LegCo for its first and second reading next Wednesday. How then will this affect the film industry and uh, viewership? What films will be censored? And what about foreign films, for example, from Taiwan? What sort of censorship is now in place in other cultural areas as well? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us on 233-88266, 233-88266. After 9.15, we're discussing the reopening of uh, Central Market after all these years, closing down for almost two decades. What do you make of the makeover? Let us know. You can email backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us for our first discussion, we have with us now Holok Sang, Director of the Pan Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Kenny Ng, who's Associate Professor in the Baptist University's Academy of Film. And Chris Young will be joining us later in the programme. Uh, Professor Ng, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Kenny Ng? Oh, hi. Hi, good morning. Hi, thanks for, yeah. thanks for joining us. Uh, what, what do you make of this change? What do you think is the, is the idea behind this, uh, this uh, amendment? Okay, I think there are two uh, crucial uh, amendments here. First is uh, the change of wording. Uh, previously, uh, it is telling films that could endanger uh, national security, right? It's changed to films that would be the contrary interest of national security. Sorry, could you say that uh, again? Sorry, cause I'm sorry, you, that's kind of crucial. We, yeah. we, you just cut out a little bit there. Can you say that again? Okay, so um, 
previously the wording is uh, endangered the, uh, national security, right? And right now it's changed to uh, contrary to the interest of national security. So I think the change actually is even more far-reaching, uh, uh, has more far-reaching uh, blow to the industry because uh, this is a more broad uh, term uh, about contrary to interest of uh, national security, which means that uh, um, more firms would be uh, at risk of being claimed to uh, be in contrary to the interest of national security, which means uh, the censorship uh, would be uh, even tightened uh, in this sense. Uh, this is the first point. Uh, the second point is uh, it gives the chief secretary the power to revoke uh, any uh, screening rights of FIM, even uh, if it has passed the uh, FIM censor previously, uh, which means that uh, even you get the FIM uh, censor uh, permit uh, screening rights, there is still a, a risk that the chief secretary can revoke the rights of screening. Uh, it can also mean the risk of backtracking FIMs, uh, that could already have been released before, and then uh, uh, the chief secretary would find it uh, inappropriate or something endangering uh, national security, and this film would be uh, finally banned from uh, distribution uh, in the market. So I think uh, it is far-reaching. Uh, How do you think um, that will impact on creativity in the film industry? Mm. I think uh, in the short term and medium term, of course, uh, the impact on creativity would be uh, a little bit negative because uh, the filmmakers and producers, right, they will take second thought uh, in uh, investment and in uh, storytelling, whether they, it will be easy to step in beyond uh, the red lines. And of course, uh, they will be more cautious about uh, touching upon sensitive social and uh, political issues, particularly uh, things in, uh, in relation to uh, China. So uh, even films that may uh, talk about uh, Chinese and Hong Kong relationships or people's relationship between uh, China and Hong Kong or uh, uh, the typical uh, crime crime films that may you may have uh, criminals uh, or backoffs uh, from uh, China or from Hong Kong, that would be uh, also be uh, risky. Uh, to touch upon these kind of subjects. Uh, on the other hand, I also uh, uh, not totally pessimistic because, of course, uh, filmmakers will, will always find things way around, around the rules, and of course, they create uh, other genres uh, like uh, comedy, uh, social dramas, uh, like Wen uh, Yiqian, uh, melodrama, uh, family drama, and 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 maybe uh, horror genres, and that also can, could deliver very serious. Uh, uh, social themes and subjects. So I think uh, the industry takes time to understand the red line, to negotiate uh, with the government and to try to uh, 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 create uh, stories that would be politically safe but also uh, uh, thematically uh, serious and socially uh, uh, interesting and positive. So I think, uh, but it takes time. Uh, it takes risk. Uh, that's, that's my point. Okay, Holoksang, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. These, these, uh, this amendment seems to kind of step up the censorship, increase the penalties, uh, widen the net with this, uh, this, this broader kind of uh, uh, definition. Uh, w w why? why? Why the need for this, do you think? Well, uh, first of all, I must say that, uh, of course, uh, national security is a very important issue, and uh, we need to um, take it very seriously. 
but on the other hand, uh, personally, I don't really believe in censorship whatsoever. Uh, however, I agree that it's necessary to specify the so-called red line as clearly as possible, and uh, you, you need to explain the red line and uh, um, the criteria uh, for um, uh, specifying the red line in that particular way. And of course, I also uh, would uh, very much support transparent processes instead of uh, just uh, one person or two, two, two people making decisions uh, in, in regard to whether the red line has been crossed. So um, I really think that it's much better if it is possible to be uh, transparent and following uh, 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 transparent procedures that are reasonable and using the justice system. Um, and uh, as far as the penalty is concerned, I think uh, the penalty um, has to be considered in relation to the uh, significance of, uh, of uh, national security, you know, because national security is considered so important and uh, uh, it is uh, understandable that uh, the pen penalty uh, has to be uh, hard, uh, heavy enough to be a deterrent. So, so, so I, uh, I don't have any comment on uh, uh, the judgment as to whether uh, the proposed uh, penalty is too, too severe or not. But uh, the, the, the argument is that uh, the, the penalty has to be uh, 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 has to pay attention uh, uh, proper regard to the importance of uh, national security and. Uh, the dangers and the social damage that it might cause. Yeah, so, um, you know, the chief executive has said that she is going to consult the film industry regarding these new guidelines. You talk about transparency. If you yeah. were to talk to her, what are some of the um, criteria that you would um, suggest in terms of ensuring this transparency? Uh, I think... Uh you see, the, the, it's important to uh, uh, not, you know, for for people not to not to um, uh, challenge the one-party system. And I think the one-party system is just an alternative uh, political system. And uh, in a in a film, uh, it's not possible to have a proper dialogue. You know, I, I, I have uh, expressed uh, the view that if you have any disagreement, it's okay, you know, to, to discuss it uh, uh, properly, you know, with uh, um, uh, exchange of views on both sides, and I think that is fine. But uh, films is, uh, is a one-way uh, um, communication, you know, so um, it, is, uh, it could be very influential, and that is why I would prefer that, uh, that in films it's not it's better to avoid, you know, challenging the one-party system as such. Kenny, um, do you agree that, that films are essentially a one-way communication? Uh, not really. I think uh, a film storytelling is uh, very elusive and it's symbolic and it's very open to interpretation. So one of the problem about censorship is uh, different people have different interpretations, right? And right now, the uh, red line is so loose and so vague that actually uh, uh, the officials can interpret uh, in any way or in some ways that which is different from 
what the filmmakers or the directors uh, wanted to be. So it is very easily to uh, politicize different uh, non-political uh, stories, right? Uh, perhaps, like for example, if you have uh, uh, stories about uh, two families, uh, mainland families, Hong Kong families, and and for example, if there are some uh, uh, some uh, uh, negative images uh, of uh, the mainland side, and then there could be something interpreted as contrary to the interests, right, uh, of national uh, security, right? And I think the interpretation, because right now you have the um, officials and the committee has uh, almost the uh, uh, power, actual power of uh, de de uh, deciding whether the theme is should be banned or not. So uh, it is very up to the um, government officials to uh, exercise their own uh, will to interpretation. Uh, so they would be rather, uh, I I'm not saying that this would happen, uh, definitely, but I would only say that, that would be something uh, risky and would be always something uh, that will make filmmakers and create, uh, creators uh, very anxious about uh, whether they would uh, step beyond uh, the red line. Right? So I think this is the uh, my point. So uh, it's, it's good to, to specify um, uh, before production or consult, the industry can consult uh, the government uh, uh, given uh, most trans uh, very uh, high transparency. But it's another thing that uh, right now you have the uh, chief secretary uh, given the power to revoke any screening rights, that which means that even after production and screening, the film is still exposed to uh, further interpretations and decisions. That would cre uh, really... Uh, uh, create uh, some kind of like um, uh, a trouble and anxious uh, anxiety, uh, particularly on the producer side, because filmmaking is a very uh, capital-intensive uh, industry. So uh, uh, few people would willing to uh, make the bet and, and take the risk of producing films that would be uh, controversial or, or close, uh, uh, people easy to uh, open to uh, political interpretation. So that's my point, that, uh, that this uh, censorship, uh, new censorship ordinance uh, actually in the, short, in the short to medium term would rather uh, make filmmakers uh, very anxious about uh, how to uh, make stories uh, which are actually safe from uh, this national, breaking uh, uh, the national security law. Yeah. Uh, Herlok Sang, have you seen the film 10 years? Uh, I haven't seen uh, it, although I, I, I have read various commentaries on it, yeah. I, I haven't seen it myself. Um, do you think that should be banned? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it, mm. so, so it's uh, uh, difficult to say. But what I'm trying to say uh, is that, uh, of course, I understand that uh, films can be interpreted differently, and that is why I had uh, uh, added that it's important, it's much more preferable if we can have a, a transparent uh, uh, procedure, uh, procedures, okay, stand procedures, okay, instead of uh, just uh, one one person or two two people making decisions over it. But uh, um, uh, apart from trying to be as clear as possible about the red line, uh, as far as interpretation is concerned, it's much better to go through some kind of. Uh, 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 system uh, that is just that is beyond one person to two people. You know, you you need to have a, a, a fair procedures.
When you talk about national security, though, I mean, some people will also say, well, what is the actual, the real threat to national security here from from a critical, say, independent movie uh, in Hong Kong? How does that seriously, in reality, threaten the security of the largest nation on Earth with the largest standing army and 5,000 years of civilization and everything like that? What difference does that make? It's not that. You know, I, I... You see... When you talk about national security, it's not as if the country has to fall uh, uh, before national security is, is threatened. You know, national security is threatened if um, the prosperity of the nation is undermined, if the cohesion of the country is undermined, if uh, uh, social harmony is undermined. All of these things Sorry, is that important. national security, or is that just a is that just a bad thing that that can happen by chance? Can happen? It just happens every day in the to and fro of uh, of life. That's not a, a, is that a threat to national security? Well, you see, what I have been trying to make the point, and it's it's an important point to make, which is that uh, uh, people, a lot of people, misunderstand democracy. Okay, they misunderstand democracy and they think that democracy has to be uh, the ballot box democracy. It has to be uh, competition among different uh, political parties. But you know that in China, they, they, they use this one-party system, but the officials actually held accountable you know, for the wrongs that they have done. And there are um, um, different kinds of uh, checks and balances in place. Okay, the importance of... Uh, of uh, democracy is that uh, it has to be responsive to the needs of people and it has to give people equal opportunity of participation in political affairs. Okay. So if you want to serve the country, then you need to compete fairly, you know, for, 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 the, for, 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 for the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the right to make decisions uh, on behalf of the country. Yeah, okay, so... so, so so, so that is a different kind of system, and you must not uh, uh, just uh, uh, um, say that, okay, this is uh, authoritarian, this is totalitarian, and that kind of thing. You know, that, that, that's not conducive to understanding uh, China. Let's go back to that point about films and its potential threat to national um, security. It's a threat if it incites people to do certain things or think a certain way, but when been if you see a film and I see a film, we might interpret dif differently. It might cause me to do one thing yeah. and it cause you to do another thing. So where is the objectivity in this? Yeah, the objectivity, um, it's, it has to be subjective, you know, to, to, to some extent. And that is who's, why who's, I, I, who's, that is why I was saying that, idea? that is why I was saying that it, it, may, it may be uh, a little uh, 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 worrying, you know, if uh, uh, the interpretation is just uh, uh, one person, two, two people's uh, interpretation. You see, and that, and that is why I, I was saying that it's, uh, I would prefer, first of all, as transparent as possible, and secondly, you have to have a, a procedure, okay, to, to judge that is regarded as uh, fair. You see, so, so, I, so I'm trying to, try, trying to make it as, as fair and as transparent the, the, as possible. The, the, 
this this amendment moves uh, as mr uh, as professor Ng was saying from from uh, uh, the question of uh, endangering national security to uh, consideration of whether a film would be contrary to the interests of national security contrary to the interests of national security is kind of pretty vague isn't it Herlux, uh, yes and, and and that is why i i i am not saying that I agree to the proposed changes. I'm saying that uh, it's much better, you know, if we do away with censorship and instead just put in place uh, uh, a clear specification of red lines, which you must not cross, and as to how and when the red line is crossed, it's better to be uh, uh, given to some kind of uh, procedures, you know, that, that, that people can trust. And, and, and I think that would be much, much better. And I've been saying that also for, for, for the press, and that is why I've been saying that I would prefer much better uh, uh, for, for, for China actually to abandon uh, censorship altogether uh, for, for, you know, in favor of press freedom. Mm. You see, but, but you need to specify the red lines, you know, because uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press has to be subject to some kind of uh, 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 rules and regulations that must... Uh, protect the public interest. Okay, well, Herlock Sam, many thanks for, for joining us oh, once okay, again. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Director of the Pan Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute, Lingnan University. Professor Ng, what about that? Uh, you know, what we need are, are clear lines. Uh, if they're red lines, at least you know, and, and, you know they're, they're, and they are distinct, and you can say for sure whether, a, you know, something is is contrary to the interests of the national security or not, then that's okay. Then we can work within that framework. Do you, do you go along with that? Ah, okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, of course, um, it's better to make a transparent uh, consultation uh, uh, mechanism. Uh, but I really wonder if that really works uh, that well, because uh, you are, if we are doing uh, creative industry, or even you, if you're writing an essay, you, you will know that what you end up the product is quite different from what you imagine it to be at the beginning, right? So uh, in the process of, and also in the process when the film is out in the market, uh, the interpretation is open to the public. Uh, so right now, I think the problem is uh, when the law states that uh, the uh, committee uh, or the chief secretary has the right to decide whether the film is uh, contrary to the interest of national security, uh, there's actually no room for bargaining. And uh, it is very weak uh, to interpret uh, what is like endorsing, endorsing uh, action that would uh, be contrary to the interests of national security or uh, films that would be unsettled the harmony of society. I think film or uh, any kind of uh, art has to be critical and somehow it needs to be offensive, right? To be uh, to to have. To make society in progress, right? I think this is one function of the key function of art and, and cinema, right? To make uh, critical and creative uh, projections about our society, about our uh, human relationships, so that we understand uh, where we are, we understand uh, what really we want to be and what we need to address uh, uh, the drawbacks and problems in our present society. Which yeah. means that all this criticism could be subject to uh, kind of interpretation that would 
be an undermining the interests of national security. I think that is the, the, the great risk lying uh, behind uh, this uh, revised ordinance. So is, is a kind of, Professor, is a kind of foregone conclusion now that we are going to have these new guidelines. So if you are to be uh, consulted by the government on how to go forward in this, what are some of the criteria you would advise them on to, to so that filmmakers have more clarity about what can or cannot be done? What are some of the key mm. points you would advise them on? Okay, you mean advice to uh, the, government. the government or advice to the filmmakers? Sorry. No, uh, the, the you know the chief executives that that they will yeah. cons consult the uh, film industry mm. or, or allay the fears of the film industry. Okay. What okay. kind of key points would you put forward to to the chief executive to in order okay. to make this kind of work? Yes, yes, yes. Of course, I, I would say that um, uh, the government would like to target actually at. Uh, Probably, right, films that explicitly about uh, maybe the past uh, social movements that they think which is uh, actually endangering uh, social security. Uh, so I think uh, that would be fine. But if you have a lot of different films, uh, genres uh, that they may have, like um, like the crime films, uh, like the uh, social drama, they you would have good guys and bad guys. You would have like very very sophisticated relationship between China and Hong Kong. I advise the Chief Secretary uh, that actually uh, films are open for criticism and open for the public to judge. So uh, we, we need to have a uh, more open attitudes on art and creativity so that society, actually their sentiments and their criticism can be ran through this uh, uh, venue. That actually would be uh, do much better for society as a whole, better than you uh, just repress it from public screenings and public viewing. Uh, actually, that will be uh, rather a kind of disservice to uh, social harmony and social uh, stability. Yeah, that would be my uh, uh, chief advice uh, to the uh, government that uh, given that the film does not touch explicitly on uh, very anti-Chinese uh, political themes uh, and, and messages. Okay. Uh, we should be more open minded. Okay, well, we've, got to take, we've got to take a break for the news at uh, 9. We'll, con we'll continue the discussion after that and uh, get to some emails as well. Also talking about uh, Central Market. How have you been? What do you think of the makeover? The weather forecast, mainly fine apart from isolated showers. Uh, very hot weather warning at the moment. 29 Celsius. Relative humidity is at 84%. <laughs> to neighbouring regions. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Back chat this Thursday morning with Jenny Lamb and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're continuing to talk a little bit about uh, film uh, censorship. This is with a uh, extended plan uh, announced by the uh, uh, authorities um, this week, uh, in, meaning that uh, any movies which uh, could be uh, deemed to be, um, um, sorry, that could uh, uh, that could. Um, yeah, could be contrary to the interest. Sorry, if showing them to be, I'm begging about if showing them could be uh, contrary to the interests of national security, um, could be banned. There are also increased penalties and uh, a different uh, uh, or a, a, a minimal uh, uh, chances of appeal. We were talking in the first part of the program to uh, Ho Lok Sang and Kenny Ung. Professor Ung is still with us. He's associate professor at the Baptist University's Academy of Film. We're also joined now by Chris Young, veteran journalist and political analyst. Later, we're also going to be talking 
about Central Market that's just uh, reopened after some uh, 18 years of uh, refurbishment. Uh, we'll be talking to uh, John Batten uh, about uh, what he thinks of uh, what they've made of uh, Central Market. We've talked to him many times over the uh, years, over the decades, uh, I think, about that uh, about that project. Uh, now it's come to fruition. Uh, we'll see what he thinks. Uh, and we want to hear, of course, what you think as well. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, you can call us, and our number is 233-88266. We'll put you on air. Uh, or you can go to our Facebook page and share your thoughts there. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. There, Carl says, when Taiwan is progressing in its human rights, Hong Kong is regressing. TC says, quote, contrary to national security, that's sort of the phrase I was looking for, is a rather broad definition. Under this definition, some of Hong Kong's best works, like Infernal Affairs and Her Fatal Ways, would now be banned as the latter satirises mainland Chinese officials. And as much as uncertainties... Uh, surrounding the 1997 handover. TC says this development is why I often sneer at people, including those commenting on Backchat, who compare China to the US. In the US, one is entitled to make films depicting the president and government in a bad light. Um, uh, Alan says, uh, Backchat, your guests keep saying things like national security is so important. This is Holok saying red lines, dot, dot, dot. Uh, we are talking about movies. Movies cannot harm national security. They present ideas. Like almost all actions taken under the aegis of national security, it has nothing to do with that. It's simply political repression and taking petty revenge on people who the CCP feels disrespected. Anyway, this will be the, uh, this will be the nail in the coffin for Hong Kong's film industry. Now he's talking about national harmony. So basically he insists that all film and all media must always and only support whatever the government wants them to. This is not national security. This is pure totalitarianism on a North Korean scale. That comes from uh, Alan. Uh, and Paul says, Backchat, why is there an international outcry when parts of China synchronise their censorship policy with the mainland? Currently, despite performing a bloody insurrection in Afghanistan, the Taliban are not banned from Twitter. However, despite discouraging a peaceful protest, which led to a bunch of protesters sitting at the desk of Nancy Pelosi taking selfies, Donald Trump remains banned from both Facebook and Twitter. Censorship in Hong Kong was always an inevitability and should not deserve a greater proportion of attention than the censorship currently imposed within the supposed free West. That's from Paul in Taipo. Once again, our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Chris Young, good morning to you. Uh, so this is, you know, this is a step up uh, of the of the uh, censorship, the proposals for censorship. Uh, what what do you make of that? Why why are they doing that? Why are they intensifying the censorship in this way? Do you think? Uh, uh, one of the readers uh, that you um, did you just uh, refer to uh, made the point that uh, ideas ideas uh, won't say endanger security, national security. But uh, this is the um, Exactly, um, uh, not the way the um, I would say the, the central Chinese government and now the Hong Kong government think. Um, back in mid-April, um, that's the uh, National Security Education Day. Um, central government's liaison office director uh, Lo Hui Ling uh, uh, made a speech. He mentioned he raised the idea of so-called soft confrontation, um, contrary to hard confrontation. Um, uh, that they uh, need to say uh, counter uh, and, uh, and and eradicate a uh, hard confrontation. I think referring to uh, terrorism, to say subversion, uh, 
Swedish activities, soft confrontation uh, referred to ideas, uh, penetration, so-called penetration uh, using um, soft means like media, uh, of course, uh, including film, uh, to say penetrate or what they call poison the minds of people, in particular young people. Uh, so I think that's why they um, already, uh, 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 in the past few months, they attack, uh, say, documentary like um, Inside the Red Brick Wall, uh, now almost, uh, even though it was approved uh, by, uh, uh, through, it went through self-censorship as a category three movie, um, but, but effectively not allowed to be, um, uh, to be shown here. And, and then the change of guidelines, now the change of the, the ordinance, with an even broader, say, uh, 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 expression, contrary, contrary to the interests of national security. Um, again, as one of the readers, it's just so broad. Uh, first, uh, national security uh, in, chi in China's definition covers almost everything. Not just uh, sovereignty issue, but say um, culture, environment, and then contrary. Um, I, I, we thought that uh, when it was first raised uh, in June, when they changed the guidelines. Yeah. So, Christian, you know, yeah. w one of the uh, pe people who who wrote an email, and he's he's saying that the censorships are inevitable in order to preserve harmony. Yeah. What do you think of that thought? Well, uh, it may just do the opposite. I think um, the 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 uh, I think um, again. I think this is uh, one fundamental difference in thinking what we mean by uh, harmony uh, in communist China. I think they they what they would like to do is to to keep the dissenting voices, dissenting opinions, dissenting ideas. Uh, to the minimum, or or, or below the, or, or, or underneath the carpet, and and that will be harmony, harmonious. But, but Hong Kong is a diverse, uh, pluralistic society. Uh, people make fun of, um, say, well, sometimes uh, 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 embarrassing to say China uh, movies back in decades ago uh, make uh, poke fun at um, communist cadres. Um, um, in uh, public security, what we call Gong, Gong An, uh, public security uh, offices. Uh, that was decades ago, a movie uh, quite po popular, popular here. Uh, now, uh, the irony is that uh, if it, it is being asked to be um, uh, 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 sent to, say, census again, it, it, it might be now uh, be ruled as contrary to the interests of national security because uh, it smears, uh, it may be alleged of smearing, say, uh, national security, uh, public security officers in the, in, 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 in the mainland. And um, that will cause, uh, I would say, unease, anxieties, fears in society. Uh, is that harmonious? Um, I, I don't think so. Uh, Kenny, I mean, what what if we ended up with a situation like uh, on the mainland uh, when it comes to censorship? Because that certainly seems to be the kind of um, the, the the end point. Um, would that be so bad? Uh, we could still have a 
frankly a thriving film industry we could even have a certain number of kind of uh, independent films that one way or another uh, are, are sort of uh, critical or critical of developments in society and, and, and things like that um, the mainland has a has a thriving cultural scene doesn't it in, in music and art and, uh, and in all kinds of fields would it be so bad? I'm still keeping uh, being pessimist, uh, sorry, uh, optimistic in a sense because I think uh, Hong Kong has a rich uh, culture and tradition uh, of uh, expressions. And particularly uh, in my position of teaching them here in Baptist, I see people as young people uh, with talents and passions and still the drive to uh, make storytelling. So I suppose. Uh, that under this uh, draconian censorship, uh, there should be still ways uh, of making uh, other genres, uh, other even independent films. For example, we have quite many, many uh, 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 topics about uh, like uh, marginalized societies and peoples and communities, uh, social issues, communities, that, or uh, individual stories. That could be very, very good subjects for independent filmmaking. Uh, so uh, perhaps uh, explicit political uh, themes uh, may have been banned or, uh, or uh, discouraged from making, but there are still uh, good films and good topics uh, in independent films. And also in uh, commercial films, I suggest that uh, always there are, uh, we have a very great tradition about genre films. Uh, so of course, uh, core films nowadays would be uh, uh, a little bit uh, challenging, but it's still people are still making it. Uh, and also, uh, when EPN, uh, those melodramas, uh, or, uh, or we can try uh, horror genres. Uh, don't uh, forget that. That's also I uh, suggest to people and students that uh, in the Hollywood golden era, 1940s and 50s, or in the Hong Kong 1950s, that under the uh, measure strict measures of British censorship, actually there's the golden era of Hollywood films and golden era of Cantonese and Mandarin films as well. So I suppose there are many, many other factors contributing to writing industries. And I think keeping up uh, our young people, our, uh, our existing working uh, professionals, we're still finding ways of making their uh, Hong Kong stories or in collaboration with China. Uh, so that's my uh, opinion. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kenny Young, thank you for many thanks for joining us, Associate Professor at the Baptist University's Academy of Film. And thanks to Chris Young, veteran journalist and political uh, analyst. Uh, Richard, in an email, says, Vagueness is the corner of the national security law, which means the end of the film industry here in Hong Kong, who in their right mind would make a film here now. Carrie now has another feather in her cap, film critic. Uh, that comes uh, from Richard. And Will says, so just to be clear, according to Holok Sang, the problem isn't that China isn't democratic. The problem is that we misunderstand democracy, given, as he says, this, that this one-party system is in fact highly accountable to the people. He then immediately goes on to say that we mustn't talk about totalitarianism or authoritarianism in the context of Chinese political leadership. I literally spat my coffee out at that point. The unintentional irony was so hilarious, because mustn't is, is actually exactly the word Holok Sang actually 
you are right. You can quote misunderstand to use your nonsense democracy in the West all day long if you like. You can say it's a pile of rubbish if you wish and not democracy at all and that Boris Johnson is an idiot and absolutely nothing will happen to you. The fact that you mustn't criticise Chinese leadership and its system openly without there being serious consequences. An outspoken critic on the mainland last month get t- got 12 years for picking fights and provoking quarrels is the literal definition of authoritarianism. It's just embarrassing the pretzels Holok Sang bends himself into as he tortures logic time after time on this programme shilling for the CCP. That comes uh, from Will. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, just before we get to uh, talking about uh, central market, uh, just a, a couple of uh, emails, three emails. Uh, on uh, vaccination topics. Uh, Phil says, I was so pleased to hear that the CE has announced that it's government policy to get vaccinated. She's requested that all organisations consider the same policy. It's now time for the private sector to show some leadership in this initiative. Large companies, organisations and clubs need to get involved. Only when we can get our vaccination rate increased can we move away from the present unsustainable COVID policy. Alonso says, I'll have to edit this for length a little bit, sorry, um, uh, 24,951 people had their first vaccination jab yesterday. This represents a steep 35% decline from the recent highs registered on August the 3rd. The several vaccine lucky draws which were offered have, uh, have largely run their course as incentives. In the absence of new incentives, the recent slowdown looks likely to fall further. Assuming a 20k daily rate, we shouldn't reach... We wouldn't reach 70% vaccination rate until mid-November. To help arrest the declining vaccination numbers, it's therefore imperative that the government adopts a more aggressive carrot-and-stick strategy. I'm not sure what Hong Kong employment laws stipulate, but assuming it's legal, government and private sector companies should consider issuing mandates for workers to be vaccinated. We're already seeing this implemented by several US government agencies and or corporations. Indeed, Delta Airlines yesterday took an even more extreme measure, saying it will impose a $200 monthly US dollar monthly surcharge on employees who aren't vaccinated, becoming the first major US company to levy a penalty. As far as carrots are concerned, the answer remains fairly obvious. The government should offer $5,000 in consumption vouchers to the 2.73 unvaccinated Hong Kongers with a premium, perhaps extra 2K, to the vulnerable over 70. A deadline of the 1st of November should be imposed, one which our hospitals can comfortably cope with based on a daily 50k uh, daily vax rate by my calculations this would cost the government under 20 billion dollars a figure that would hardly put a dent in our reserves and bob says it seems to me listening to today's session this is from yesterday uh, that uh, on bringing helpers to hong kong the bank chat starts to suffer from covid schizophrenia only on monday you have mike passionately complaining about the slow vaccine uptake and yet today you're agonizing about the risks of allowing foreign domestic helpers back into hong kong in my humble opinion based on the experience in australia and new zealand who both tried to pursue a zero covid strategy with its resulting low vaccine uptake which is necessary to get people vaccinated is an outbreak of delta variant yes there are some risks involved but life is not risk-free actually the government should be commended for taking the risk to allow these helpers back into hong kong that is from bob as mentioned the central market uh, has reopened after some uh, 18 years of uh, closure and going through various uh, uh, stages uh, in its uh, in its uh, uh, reconsideration and um, uh, formation uh, john batten is president of the international association of uh, art critics uh, in in hong kong he's followed uh, many of those uh, developments john good morning to you 
Hello, John. Hi, thanks for for joining us uh, once again. Yeah, so we, as I was saying, we have spoken uh, many times in the past on plans for the uh, and, and various sort of uh, 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 various suggestions for the future of the central market. So that's all over and that's done now. Have you had a look? What do you think of it? Yeah, I've been there and um, had a look and and had a little talk to a few people yesterday as they were sitting eating lunch. And um, my impressions are um, it's a hell of a lot better than the original pro, uh, um, ideas that the government had uh, nearly 20 years ago. So that's some progress. Um, they've kept the facade and they've done quite a good job on keeping you know, the, the, the architectural look of the, the building, the, the modernist uh, look of the building, uh, which was built in... Uh, the late 1930s. Um, the interior has been basically stripped out and um, uh, the, the, the spalling of the concrete has been repaired and um, it's air conditioned now so lots of services are, have been uh, put in and they've used the, the wonderful ambience of the, the high ceiling so that space under the ceiling has now is now full of uh, services, electricity, air conditioning, ducts. So you don't get that feeling of airiness that the, the old market had. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, some of the ideas uh, overseas that come to mind of these renovation old buildings are, you know, in, in, in Spain and in, in the US or in France, they become sort of like a hub for high end restaurants or, or, or small sh- shops or, you know. Um, do you see that happening to this building? I mean, is that a prime location? Well, it has happened to that building. Um, the okay, there. My impression of what they've put in there is this: it's incredibly crowded. Although many of the shops are not uh, full, but there are signs saying they will uh, be occupied soon. And it seems like every possible corner has been uh, utilised. And if you remember the corridor that links Hang Seng Bank to the to the escalator, that was basically a, a fairly clean uh, corridor. There were some shops on the left, on the on one side, the market side, but that corridor has now been absorbed as a as a thoroughfare, and they've got uh, sort of restaurant cubicles or stalls on either side, and um, so you're basically walking through through the actual market. Um, all the the, the, the the retail and and F and B spaces, rather than having a dedicated uh, walkway. Um, now it's a bit hard to gauge all this because it's it's just opened and and many people, thousands of people, want to have a look, like me. Um, and I, I imagine that will taper off and it'll become a little bit more normal. Uh, so what that would be one one suggestion. I would, I would make is you know try and open it up a bit more and have some some spaces which are you know for circulation. Now, having said that, um, you know most most business consultants when they come in and look at these sites, and I'm thinking of PMQ and the old Central Police Station, Daegwoon, is they always anticipate that high-end uh, operators would love these spaces, when the reality is. It, it, not quite, you know. The the the, the establishment uh, areas for Hong Kong for 
for high-enders on Canton Road in Chimsachoe and, you know, in Central with uh, Hong Kong Land's uh, developments. So, so, so what is and not course, attractive? What is, why is it not attractive to these high-end um, shops? Um, because it, it's a mass-market space. Uh, it, it's going to be a thoroughfare for, for, for commuters. And what I think, what's interesting, what they've done is on the ground floor, um, you know, what you can do is you, you grab a table and there's a QR code on the table and you can, you can scan it and order and then the food will be brought to your table. Now, you know, young people like that. And I, I talked to them about the, um, the price points of the food and they all seemed quite happy and I had a look and the set lunches are between, you know, $50 and $70, which is sort of about right. It's not now, bad. one of the things about... Sorry? Uh, not bad. Sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad for yeah. Central, exactly. Yeah. And so people weren't shocked to go in and think, oh, my God, you know, I'm now paying $150 for a, for a meal. That's not the case. So that's a good thing. Um, but upstairs on the third floor, it's a bit weird because there are some... I saw a sort of dining tables with cloths and, and wine and people are are drinking their wine there. But actually, there are thousands of people milling around looking at them. So I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. So it sounds, it sounds like you're saying that the, 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 the floors, you know, upstairs, um, seems to be uh, catering to a different sort of market to... Slightly, I think, Jenny, yes, slightly. But there's a lot of little shops there. Um, and you, you don't get a sense of really what the strategy is. I, um, what, what, one interesting thing is I got the feeling it wasn't geared toward the foreign tourists because, of course, we don't have them at the moment. And I, that was a refreshing, a refreshing feel that there wasn't a lot, you know, like if you go down to the old Western market, and which is, has always been a complete failure, um, most of the... the the, the little shops there were for tourists, and um, locals wouldn't go there. What what yeah. what went wrong at the the central market? I'm mean, sorry, at the yeah the western market, which is a kind of slightly gloomy place, isn't it? One way well, or another. Well, that's another URA project. What and, did they do you know, wrong? URA... What, they... hmm? what, what did they sorry, do wrong there, and what have they done right in in central then? Well, first of all, it, 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 it's not on a, com a computer commuter flow area. Um, even though the Macau ferry terminal is nearby, it, it, it doesn't, it hasn't drawn people in. And it's, I think it's partly because of this high-end ideas they had originally and they needed to put the, the fabric um, because in Central, the, the big URA project in Central was the, the Central Plaza. Uh, the Central Plaza? Yes, yeah, Central Plaza which destroyed the old Fabric Street, if you remember, and which was there until the early 90s. So those traders were, were put into the Western market. So it's never had a profile. But actually, I'd like to sort of look at the triangle of Daigloon and PMQ and, and Central Market, because I think they've all had a problem of consultants coming in saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you can make lots of money by doing this and that and that. And with PMQ, the government, the government built an extra floor on one of the one of the blocks, and a high-end restaurant went in that. Uh, it closed, and now the Korean, I think the Korean Cultural Centre's there. 
Um, same with Dyke Wound. There's been a lot of turnover of, of F&B outlets because they haven't quite hit the, the right uh, market. Yeah, it, it's not easy to run these, these big uh, spaces because they are like shopping malls, but you can't just do anything like in a shopping mall because they're heritage spaces. Yeah, mm. I, I often wonder about Tycoon because it's, it's really right next to Lang Kwai Fong. I mean, why, why why can't just that be an extension of of a you know, you know uh, sort of bar and restaurant area? And really, Central Market is is not that far from it. Why can't why why can't all these be incorporated to cater for the same crowd? Be they be they tourists, be they locals? I mean, you know, Lang Kwai Fong yeah, obviously I, I think... is a success. I, I think this is an interesting question. You know, why hasn't Daegwoon been overwhelmed by people? And, you know, the, 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 the operators don't appreciate that they are very delicate heritage sites. They are first and foremost heritage sites. So Daegwoon is probably one of our most important heritage sites in Hong Kong. It, its series of buildings are, are remarkable. And... With that, there is a social purpose to running them. Um, and I think this is the dilemma, is that the, the, the jockey club haven't got that right because they relied on consultants uh, who, who made suggestions. For example, there's no, there's no Gaga Lock there. There's no fast food outlet there. Um, and I jokingly always uh, wanted a, a, a jockey club outlet, a betting outlet, why not? <laughs> uh, this is where the local people can come. So there's this aversion to to having what I always term mum and dad and two kids from Wong Tai Sin. For some reason, they don't want local, local people. It, it's always catering to the middle class or the upper classes. And I, I think this is a wrong strategy. Um, yeah. Now, Daigun's lucky. It's got the, the fabulous um, uh, new galleries there which uh, uh, are open and free and there's a constant flow of people to them. But PMQ has been lost because it doesn't have anything like that because its strategy is like, let's put lots of shops in. But that's about it. You know, there's nothing much much there to, to attract young people. Mm. You do kind of want, you go there and kind of wonder what, 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 it, what it's all for. Um, you know, the central market was billed as an oasis. That was the sort of final incarnation, wasn't it, that it's going to be an oasis. Is it? Is it any kind of oasis? You, you said people were going to can sit there and have their sandwiches. I think, I think that's, uh, that is something that, you, you know, you said would be a, a boon. That would, that would help the, the neighbourhood. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, in, you know, on the ground floor there are tables and chairs and people do sit there and people were reading papers. Well, that's know, nice, isn't it? Just a bit of free space. I mean, that's a pretty and valuable exactly. thing. And and. If you look at Daegwoon, you know, all the free chairs have been taken, taken away. PMQ had a problem. They had no, no seating there. And they realised, like, we need people to sit down. So there are now scattered uh, chairs and tables for people to sit down. Because then you start to build up community. Then you build up um, people who think, ah, oh, there's a destination. And because all these sites... Uh, government-owned, the social responsibility is I think you should be able to go inside them without paying for a cup of coffee. You can go in and sit down and just look at the world pass by. 
Mm. Isn't isn't that what the atrium does in in Central Market? I I haven't been there. I only saw it online. The the atrium isn't that the sort of hangout place? You have to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes. So, uh, at the moment, there there are tables and chairs, and you can sit down as far as I can see without having to buy something. So that's a good thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, John Button, many thanks for joining us. Uh, President of the International Association of uh, Art Critics. Uh, one more email to finish off. This is from Mike Rouse, uh, whose ears obviously pricked up when he was mentioned the other day. Uh, Mike says, uh, Dear Backchat, read the question raised by Martin B. Yes, our household does employ a foreign domestic helper. I did not agree with Peter Kammerer's uh, column, who said it um, we were addicted to helpers. Uh, uh, Mike says, I think in a household where both partners are working, it's extremely useful to have outside support, especially if there are children or elderly family members in need of care. It's hard to find good quality local helpers. They tend to be expensive and not willing to live in. There can also be a high turnover rate, so continuity is lost. That said, we have in the past employed one part-time as a supplement to our full-time foreign domestic helper to meet a specific short-term need. Engagement of an FDH is also a good way of spreading wealth to less well-off parts of the region, says Mike, who adds both helper and employer should be vaccinated. Thanks very much indeed for that, Jenny. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very Here's much. Here's the weather, mainly fine apart from isolated showers. Very hot, temperatures up to 34 degrees, a few showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days. 29 Celsius now, relative humidity, 82%. With the completion of COVID-19 vaccination and achievement of herd immunity, I hope we can go home directly after traveling out of Hong Kong, visit grandma and grandpa with other family members safely, exercise indoors without restrictions, get together with a group of old friends again, travel outside Hong Kong during holidays. I hope that we can return to normal life. With all the rewards and concessions, let's get vaccinated early. 9.33, the news now with Susan Lavender. An academic says efforts by the government to boost the city's vaccination rate are hampered by lack of trust in the authorities. Professor John Burns from the University of Hong Kong's Department of Politics and Public Administration told RTHK the government's zero-tolerance COVID policy is not sustainable. Experts at the World Health Organization are warning that the window of opportunity to study the origins of COVID-19 is closing. The authors of the original WHO report into how the virus emerged from China, say further delays could make some of the necessary research biologically impossible. And the US and Britain have both warned of a high risk of attack at Kabul airport and advised their nationals not to travel there. Those already outside the Afghan facility are advised to leave immediately. But US Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the US is still on track to complete the evacuation by the end of the month. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Thanks, Susan. And good morning. It is Morning Brew with James Ross. Uh, through until one o'clock. Whole host of things for you today. We'll let you know in a moment what's coming up in the next three and a half hours.